This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Aubrey on from Junco, and our topic is how TA leaders should think about AI. Uh, Aubrey, would you do us a favor? A, check my pronunciation of your name. That would be one thing. Two, introduce yourself and Junco. Yes, awesome. My name is Al Bray. Thank you for Thank asking. You. I'm a longtime listener, first time guest. So I appreciate you bringing me on. To give you a little bit of context about myself, I'm the VP of strategy at Junco. We are recruiting sourcing software specifically geared towards underrepresented candidates. And before Junco, I was head of diversity at three companies VMware, DocuSign, and Airtable, which... Small companies, no one's really known of or heard of. Yeah, got it. Exactly, especially DocuSign. I don't think anyone <laughs> has ever heard of that one. But I, I've been in the diversity and inclusion space for a long time. My first uh, foray was actually 10 years ago. I started a coding boot camp specifically geared towards women and people of color. So I've always worked at the intersection of recruiting and diversity. And my latest... My latest role is VP of strategy at Junco, which you can encapsulate in me being the subject matter expert for both our technology, the market, talent acquisition folks, and how they think about diversity recruiting and bringing those three things together. So oh, we, we could go into how you got here and why you wanted to work for a software company in this way, but let's dig into some of, this, some of the AI things, especially when it comes to marginalized groups. And mm-hmm. again, there's we you we talked about a pre-show. There's a lot of positives, and there's also some p- potential pitfalls to AI, and it's all evolving right in front of us. Totally get it. But what should they be thinking right now? I know you just recently came back from a show with where you were around a bunch of other leaders, but like, how are they currently thinking about a the intersection of AI and DEI? If we want to look at it like that, and and how should they? If they're not already thinking those thoughts, how should they be looking at it? Great question. And Junko as a technology, just to give some context about why we're in this space, we use AI, natural language processing, machine learning, and automation in order to help recruiters make decisions on who who to interview. So we've been in this space for a long time. And I think an interesting place to start is that eight months ago, let's call it, you know, November or October. We actually had to debate whether we wanted to talk about the AI components of our technology, because when we spoke about it, recruiting leaders were immediately turned off. This was just October of last year. And come January, ChatGPT comes out and continues to be head- a headline. And folks then start to reach out to us to, to talk about how they could leverage our uh, artificial intelligence to source underrepresented candidates. So I say that to say that over just the last 12 to eight months, we've seen this complete change of how recruiting leaders are starting to think about it. First, they were very uh, skeptical about how AI can help them and or the costs and benefits. And now, just a couple months later with Breakthrough Technology, um, there's, a, there's an ubiquitous embrace 
of um, artificial intelligence. And I think that's ultimately a, a really good thing. The TA leaders that I was talking to about two weeks ago, there's about 85 of them, all had the same exact, uh, saw the same exact benefit. How can we automate some of the things that take our recruiters and our sourcers a long time to do, but have a low impact on um, interviewing candidates, which is ultimately the, the job. So first and foremost, things like communicating and scheduling. That seems right. like a pretty right. ob obvious way to automate out some of the chat, uh, automate out some of the repetitive tasks or note taking, right? Taking notes and putting them directly into your ATS. This is something that can easily be automated with a recording software. So that was the one category of things that was an obvious benefit. Then you get to this middle category of things that have both this cost-benefit analysis. So there are technologies that help you surface the best candidates for your sources and recruiters without you having to without you having to do anything. For example, there's a technology out there that will search your ATS and understand which candidates, a profile of which candidates have made it through the process, mm -hmm. look and then surface candidates that are very similar. To those to those candidates who you haven't talked to just yet. Now, on the whole, that sounds like a great thing. Why wouldn't I want to go and look for folks who successfully made it through my process and automatically get more folks like that? But the cost of that might be perpetuating a similar mm -hmm. homogenous group right. of um, of candidates that are very similar to the people that you've already hired. Is that a good or a bad thing? It depends on what recruiting. It depends on uh, what you as a recruiting uh, person think, but as someone who who really focuses on diversity, it's an obvious negative for creating candidate diversity. And then the last piece I think here uh, what is uh, using AI to help evaluate candidates in real time. So there are tons of AI tools that are assessments or use video and audio to understand whether a candidate is good or not in place of an assessment or a, a written assessment. And that's where the costs and benefits become very obvious obvious obviously challenging where how is this technology looking at a person and looking at a video and, and not making a biased decision as to whether they can be a good salesperson marketing person or engineer at your company i think those are the kind of like the three categories of things that folks are starting to weigh the costs and benefits for it's interesting again the bias and debiasing of these technologies you've got a products now that can simulate you yourself like you you spend some time with it you speak it takes pictures of you the whole bit and then it could do the interview mm -hmm. <laughs> without you and oh by the way it doesn't have to be you it could be an avatar it could be someone else so, exactly. so again video interviewing there are a bunch of unintended kind of consequences of the video interviewing is there can be bias in video interviewing just like at the base of can you do a video interview Someone that's deaf or someone that's blind or someone that's in a rural area or doesn't have Wi-Fi can't do it or, or it doesn't present them in a, in a great way. Exactly. That's bias. So, so what are the questions or what do you think that they should be thinking? Again, all this is evolving. And I know that we're just in the moment on this journey. So what should they be thinking now when they're purchasing different applications about, okay, so these are the questions I should be asking now of on the how this impacts my recruiters or my hiring managers, my sourcers, the candidates, the executives, like what are the questions that they should be asking themselves? And 
This is a, a, the key question that we've been working with customers on, and this is not the, the key thing that we solve, but of course, as an AI, a product that uses artificial intelligence, we want to make sure that our customers are ahead of the curve and being intentional about how and where they use artificial intelligence in their recruiting process. And not to be too markety, but we call it an intentional AI strategy. How do you use AI with intention so that you're not exacerbating discrimination, but you're mitigating discrimination? And there are three kind of key pillars that I would lay out or that we lay out for our TA leaders that we work with. The first is, is about where you, where you apply artificial intelligence to your process. So we talked about those three different situations. Right. The first is applying AI to make in a way that is unbiased. So when we're talking about communicating with a candidate, there uh, that is a has a low bias rating. When you're communicating with a candidate to set up an interview, you've already chosen that candidate. You've already you haven't assessed that candidate. You're basically just going through the motions to make sure that you can meet with that candidate. So that's a great place to uh, apply AI in a way that has a low probability to be to bias against or for that candidate specifically. The second place is the second thing that we talk about is investing in vendors that are creating equity, using AI to create equity for a candidate. So right. for example, there's a product that uses AI to it to review an interviewer, an interviewer's language, an interviewer's tone during an interview, and give that interviewer a score as to whether they conducted a good interview or not. Now, that's very different uh, technology that that reviews the interviewee, because now you're actually evaluating the person who has the power so that the right. candidate and future candidates can have a better candidate experience. And that's where you're being intentional about where you're using AI. So we always challenge talent acquisition folks to understand where they're applying artificial intelligence and making sure, trying to make sure as much as possible that the artificial intelligence they're using is being applied to create a great candidate experience or an equitable candidate experience. The second piece is about understanding artificial the AI and the algorithms they're using. So we really challenge uh, TA folks to challenge vendors to teach them about how the algorithms they're using. AI is a very big right. group of technologies. You have large language models, you have machine learning, um, you have uh, computer vision or speech to text. Um, these are all categories that we believe that talent acquisition leaders should at least be familiar with and know how vendors are using this technology to get what they get to provide value and how that technology is affecting different demographics. So you can see, you can have your vendor audit. How does your the product that you're using to evaluate whether someone's 50, 15 second video makes them a good salesperson? How does that uh, those results differ between women, people of color and white males? And can you give me a report that tells me that where bias is coming into the process before I sign on with you as a customer. And while it's not up to the TA leader to, to build the technology or fully understand the technology, I think it's up to the TA leader to truly understand how that technology might impact the candidates that are applying to the roles that they have up on their job site. 
that's about that the transparency and really understanding the technologies up to a point before you buy them. And then the third piece is just communication. Communicating, are you ready to enable your recruiters to communicate to both hiring managers and candidates what technologies you're using and how that technology might impact their candidate experience? Earlier, you said that we were talking about how candidates are now using ChatGPT to tailor their resumes to certain roles. The reason why that exists is because ATSs look at certain keywords and prioritize candidates based on those keywords. That's something that hadn't been communicated to candidates until two or three years ago. In order to level the playing field, now that has been communicated to candidates, they're using the same technology to make sure that they get past that ATS that they get past that first round of being cut out of the process because maybe they didn't use the right keywords. And I think it's important that talent acquisition leaders, as they invest in this technology, also invest in ways to make sure that candidates are up to speed on why a company is using this technology, how it's using this technology, so that they can level the take the time to level the playing field on their side and prepare themselves to be evaluated by this technology. So those are the three things that we typically educate TA leaders on. I love that. Okay, so two questions that 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 I want to get your take on. One is, I've been thinking a lot about AI and the in the digital divide, mm-hmm. in the sense of okay, we can look at it in candidates. We'll just say white versus marginalized. Keep it real simple. Are are white candidates going to have a better understanding of how to use AI to their betterment, betterment than marginalized? Like that divide, do we see that growing? Do we see anything that we can do to, if that is growing, is there anything we can do to stop that or to mitigate that risk? And the other is, now from a company perspective, we're all recruiting the same talent. Is there something that we, again, that's just the war for talent. If if one company and one recruiting TA team is better at leveraging AI than another, but it also creates another divide. And I don't know if we're, we care as much about that divide. It's just that's life. But I wanted to get your take on that first. Yes. So th- those are two really great questions. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think the, the first one about the digital divide, I'd say there's three questions I ask myself that can help me define how the digital divide is going to affect different ethnicities, different backgrounds. And I think... Um, It comes down to when I think about the folks who are displaced by technology or left behind or folks who don't have the means and don't have the don't have the means and don't have the enablement to or incentive to take on a new technology. So when we think about means, um, I think about folks who don't have Internet computers, the basic infrastructure that you need to leverage AI in your day to day. And that definitely affects underrepresented folks more than over overrepresented folks. And I'd put white men into that category right, right. of overrepresented. I also think it's a it, it comes down to a socioeconomic problem, which are tied to race, ethnicity, right. and gender, right? Um, and age. I'll give you an example. My aunt didn't know what chat GPT was until about a month ago. And that's not anyone's fault. It's just by her, either the higher probability given her age that she's not going to, she's not going to figure out how to leverage that technology. That said, um, it is a really big, there is a really, there's going to create an even larger gap Mm -hmm. between those who, those who understand and use this technology and not. And to me, it comes down to the fact that if you, technology at the end of the day, is the magic that makes things more efficient for those who use it. 
And if you don't have the means or the infrastructure to use it, then someone is always going to be faster and better than you at learning, executing, getting results, and then putting those into practice. And I think I just as a personal example, I be my first job in tech was as a software engineer. And I went to a coding bootcamp. I learned how to code. And when I learned how to code, I didn't just learn how to build, build applications. I learned how to use the internet. I learned how to take a really novel problem and turned it into one sentence that will allow me to find what I need on the internet to solve that problem. And it's crazy to me how much that skill has impacted my ability to be successful when I haven't built an app since. But I can, if you just ask me, hey, how can we find the, how can we make sure that we have all the dimensions in this in the room that we're in so that we can get all the right, so we can get all the right furniture. I can distill, because of software engineering, I can distill that problem into very simple questions that will allow the internet to solve that for me. We extrapolate that to a job. and We extrapolate that to, to the problem solving in the real world. That one skill has changed the trajectory of my career more than anything else. So I think when we talk about AI and it's accelerating the digital divide, I definitely think it's going to have a an exacerbated effect on inequality moving forward if we yep. don't take steps to make sure everyone has accessibility and enablement. And then leading to your second question, which I'll answer really quickly, is teams that the although I think that there are major downsides to can there are potential major downsides to using AI and recruiting, especially for underrepresented folks. I think that the opportunity to use it and have a recruiting team use it and how much better that recruiting team will be leveraging AI is so great that I would never tell a talent acquisition person not to invest in it. Because the difference between in five years, the difference between a team that has mastered how to use uh, artificial intelligence and a team that hasn't is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be exponential. What the team who can that w- ha- has enabled use uses AI is going to be able to accomplish with less people, less time, less money, because that's what these tools are for. Love it. The last thing, and we could elaborate on everything you've said, but I do want to get this in: is how should practitioners think about asking questions of vendors around two things, ethical AI and audited AI. Mm. So what should be their question base to ask questions? And again, we're early in all these journeys, so no one's got this nailed down and I get it. But if you were scripting this for them, what are the questions that you would like to field? Awesome. And you'll notice that I like to talk in threes. It's the marketer in me. Yeah, yeah. No, totally so say, there, there, there are three questions I would ask when it, and first is how does your algorithm work? Can you explain uh-huh. to me in very simple terms, what types of artificial intelligence you use, how it makes decisions and, and how it makes decisions just to get a basic understanding. And the more that you do that with multiple vendors, the more that you'll understand that there are only eight to 10 different techniques and five different technologies that can be used that are applied to recruiting. And you'll get a basic understanding of those. So that- go through those, go through those again real quick. Oh, the questions? Yeah. How the algorithm works. Oh, how is your algorithm? How does your algorithm work? Mm-hmm. Can you give me, how does it make decisions? Uh-huh. Um, and how does it, uh, how does it make decisions? And I even say, uh, how does it record those decisions? Right. How are they presented to the recruiter um, and- or and- my teams? And what I'd say is, and you probably get this too, is show me an example of that. 
Exactly. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Get in. Go my my second one to your point, great segue is, can you provide me with a report on how those results different but differ based off of the different types of data that are put in? Oh, meaning, great. yeah, the different types of candidates. Right. Give me an understanding. There's a great story about Amazon that in 2016 built mm -hmm. an algorithm. Mm -hmm. and you probably have heard this story a ton, right? That immediately started to downgrade women, engineers that identified as women. And it's right. because it thought that sororities and women's groups, et cetera, et cetera, because they were less represented, they thought that was made them a worst engineer. So <laughs> show me the data um, because you should have a large set of data if you're talking about using an algorithm and how and the results that data has created in the past or um, the results of that data um, that it's created in the past based off of the different subsets. And if a company says we don't have, that's a red flag. Right. Because they should at least be auditing the data that the, or the algorithm that they're using against the different types of data that they're inputting. And then the third piece is what does diversity look like on your team? <laughs> how is your define team... diversity uh, and yeah. they should define it yeah. right if they yeah. they should and even if diversity is diversity of thought which i mean yep. honestly i hate that phrase i know me too but even if diverse there should be that really challenges the vendor to to they have thought about how they define diversity that's right how they've created diversity and how that diversity has been applied to the out technology that they've built yeah, the only thing I'd add to that, and it'd be additive, is the and how they've thought about bias. So mm -hmm. how they've thought about diversity, I want to get their take, just their overall take. Okay, how do you do it internally? Let's just let's stop talking about tech for a second. How do you put these things into place in your own organization? How do you think of it theoretically and in practice? Great. And then I would flip the conversation. Okay, now let's talk about bias. Like how much have you thought about bias? What is your current thought about bias? Like where, because again, the more we peel that onion, the more we find other biases that we weren't even aware of before. Okay, cool. 100%. I think I'm adding that to my talk track right now because <laughs> to your point, it's not about catching a company in yeah. an aha moment or in a, it's right. more, if you're thinking about this, I can trust that if I come to you with feedback or you're open to it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This has been fantastic. I could talk to you forever. Thanks so much. And, and again, we've already got five other podcast type topics yeah. already nailed down. So I'll bray. I got it the second time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you again. I've been listening to you for a long time and learning a lot from you. But you and my mom. That's um, so, the, so the two <laughs> <laughs> I, have two, I get questions from my mother on the weekends okay so what was going on here i don't understand that yeah let's get so, her on the podcast the next one we, we can talk about recruiting, parenting, it, the entire thing <laughs> all right my friend take care and, and thanks for everyone listening until next time you've been listening to the recruiting live podcast by recruiting daily check out the latest industry podcasts webinars articles and news at recruitingdaily.com Thank <laughs> you.